Man, I get used to that. No one's ever clapped for me when I played before, so at the end of this, I will now have been clapped for four times because we're playing four songs. Hey, <laughs> hey so Caden, Caden asked me to play at Cowboy Church a couple weeks ago, and I've never been to a Cowboy Church, uh, so I absolutely wanted to come, but the first thing I thought of was my grandpa. I sent it. Do we have a picture? This is my grandpa. Uh, he passed away in 08. Uh, he meant a lot to me. He was the last true cowboy that I knew. Um, he, on the left, he, he uh, played in those, like, Western reenactments. And funny story about him real quick. I didn't know what blanks were in a gun. And I went outside one day, and he was flying by in our backyard shooting his gun. And I hit the ground. I thought he was, thought he was firing off live rounds. And then he, he taught me what blanks were. But... Um, you know, he was, a, he was an incredibly fun guy, but the thing that I remember about my grandpa the most is uh, that he was a deacon at his church and that he was an incredible, incredible man of God. Uh, can we show the Bible? So I was, uh, he, like I said, he passed away in 08, and me and my wife got the honor of looking through his Bible last Christmas. It was almost, well, it had been almost 10 years since he passed. And when he passed, um, I wasn't really a Christ follower. I thought, you know, I, I went to church and uh, he baptized me when I was nine, but I wasn't following the Lord till years later. And what reassurance I got, you know, getting to look through his Bible and, and getting to see every single page just saturated with notes and highlights and stuff and just get that reassurance that I, he was who I remember him being and he is where I think he is. Um, and just as seasons go on, um, you know, now I'm married and my sister just had her second kid last night at four in the morning. And uh, just thinking of like the man of God I want to be as seasons roll on. And to think that that kid might grow up and want me to baptize him one day. Um, I learned that I need Christ every single day. Um, and I love this song. We played it a few weeks ago. Me and Caden did. And uh, it just stuck with me. Lord, I need you every hour. I need you. And Lord knows that that's true because apart from him, I'm stubborn. I'm prideful. My wife can tell you all my shortcomings. But I have to give that to the Lord every single day if I even want a shot. And so I just love this song. We're going to play one more song. It's called Lord, I Need You. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And what they just said... uh... That's a big deal, that uh, baptizing. I got to christen, uh, baptize my granddaughter. She was here oh, a couple weeks ago, last time I spoke, and she was here. But I got to do that to my granddaughter, and that, that is a big deal. And I can remember getting baptized. I was christened. Um, he, he brought up a lot of memories there when he was talking about that. But I was, I was uh, baptized uh, when I was real young, and I probably didn't even know what it meant. I just thought everyone's doing it, and I should. But then I got baptized again at uh, Reno, Nevada, in a horse tank uh, by the preacher that I think we've been praying for him. His name's Keith Brown. He's dealing with stage four cancer right now. Anyway, he baptized me. Boy, it was cold up there that day. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's always cold in Reno, but um, in a horse tank up there. So anyway, he brought back a lot of memories with that, and uh, I appreciate that. Um, we're going to pray for folks. Uh, I was talking to Danny Forrest. Uh, is doing good. He had a, had some uh, shots, and he's doing a little better. Uh, Forrest Fisher. Um, but we, anybody on your mind, we're going to pray for. Just like, the, I, boy, prayer works. If we don't do anything else today, no, no matter what I say, 
we need to pray for folks and pray for this country. Oh, thank God for the rain. We, we, we pray for rain all the time, then we get it and we forget to thank him. My goodness, we are so blessed in this country. We're going to grow wheat, cattle are going to get high, things are going to be good. Right, Mark? Uh, anyway, let's, uh, like I said, I, I thank you for the prayers for that preacher that I've been praying for, Keith Brown. I got another uh, young lady over at Laverne I've been praying for, uh, uh, dealing with some issues. But anyway, prayer works. We're two or more gathered, he'll be there. So, uh. Anybody got someone on their mind? Who's that? Jim Becker. How? Mike from Beaver. Mike McDonald. McDonald. Mike McDonald from Beaver. And your son's name? Aaron. Hmm. Four-year-old. That's a little bit where I'm going with this message today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk, Mark brought this up last week when Steve Friscoff was here, and Steve's a good friend of mine, but he'd, about, he'd been studying David, and that's where I'm going to go uh, a little bit uh, about some young people. There's some other stuff too, but uh, anybody else? The Green family, Ricky Green. Yeah. Ricky Green, world champion team roper. His, uh, he, he got sick, went to the hospital, found out he had cancer and only has weeks he passed away i didn't even know that he was really in bad shape and died but uh ricky green's family they live down in texas uh, anybody else and it don't always have to be bad like i said we got we got blessings we got a lot of good things too so uh, i'll just take it to the lord in prayer and we'll we'll kick this thing off our Father in heaven, Father, we thank you for the, the wonderful day you've given us. Thank you for just being able to be here in, uh, with our soul and our spirit and our heart to worship you, Father. The great music we had to start us off, all these people we're praying for. And you heard who they are. And you know exactly who they are and what they need, Father. And uh, we thank you for hearing our prayers. And as I said a while ago, where two or more are gathered, you will be there. And we can feel your presence in this uh, sail barn right now, Father. And uh, we thank you for, for hearing our prayers. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for allowing us to choose you as our Lord and Savior. And, Father, we just give you the praise and the glory. Amen. Uh, I was, I'm going to talk a little bit about David. Like I said, Mark mentioned it last year, and I've been in, talking about David. So any of you all in your, uh, have your Bible here, I'm going I'm to be preaching out Samuel in the Old Testament. That's like the ninth or tenth book. Uh, going. If you start at Genesis, go to the right for about nine books, and you'll find First Samuel. But before that, uh, Sheila, you got that? I got Matthew. All right, Matthew. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Matthew one. This that starts out, and if any of y'all got your Bible, it says so-and-so begot so-and-so, and it goes through a whole list of people. But we'll just start out. Abram was the father of Isaac. Abraham started it all, and if you'll remember what Steve preached on last week, in Genesis 12, uh, all, all of us are going to be under one family. Anyway, and then Isaac, his son, Jacob, his son, and if you go on down, and I'm going to preach on this here one of these days about some women. It's not always going to be about men. But how about Rahab? Right down there. Uh, 
Salmon was the father of Boaz, and Boaz, his mother was Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute, if y'all don't remember that story. And she helped uh, the spies get over the wall. This is in Jesus Christ's lineage. A prostitute, you say, wow, that's, I didn't know all that. And you go on down about Ruth. Now, a lot of you ladies maybe have read the story of Ruth. I'm going to preach on her one day. There's a strong, strong lady. And, uh, and then right after that, Jesse, the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon. And his mother was Bathsheba. So that just gives you a little bit of, a, of, of the lineage of where we're going here. Back in uh, where I'm going to start, I'll just start in 1 Samuel and uh, chapter 1. This is, I'll, I'll paraphrase along here a little bit, but this will give you guys a little bit of an idea. This is great reading. If y'all don't have a Bible, get one. I, I, I say that every time. Steve said it last week. Get you a Bible you understand and read that thing. This, if we're going to go, like we was talking about Ricky Green, if we're going to go to a team roping, I think most of y'all would like to know the rules. We got a rule book. Read up on it. Find out what God likes, what he doesn't like. Shoot. It, I mean, it's pretty simple, really. This is about Samuel. Samuel, the reason I'm going with Samuel, his mother was Hannah. Her husband had two wives. The other one had a lot of kids. Hannah was barren, couldn't have kids. The other lady kept making fun of her. You can't have any sons. And that was a big deal to Jewish women back in the day. Now, they need to have sons to keep things going. And she prayed and prayed to God, if you'll just give me a son, I will give him back to you. Lo and behold, God answers prayers, opens her womb. She gets pregnant, has a boy named Samuel. As soon as he's weaned a year later, she gives him back to the Lord. And this is the Lord's mouthpiece. And this is the guy that anoints King David as king. This is the reason I went back that far. All right, now if you go to those following along, 1 Samuel, let's go to chapter 16. And this is Samuel when he anoints David. And then the Lord said to Samuel... None of this, by the way, none of this Bible is just what, it didn't come around a campfire somewhere, people, shepherds sitting around talking. This is all inspired word of God. This, and uh, these people didn't, like you get in the New Testament, there's 13 books written by Paul. Paul didn't come up with all that stuff. This is, he, he wrote it and gets the credit for it, but Jesus, God is the one that, uh, that sent it to him. And just like they're right here. Finally, the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul, and I have reached. That's the first king of Israel, Saul. Tall, good-looking guy. He was way taller than the rest of the guys. Good-looking, they said. Really a handsome guy. Stout, football player kind of guy. I mean, uh, he, he was the head of all of Israel. And uh, Samuel comes, comes to, uh, they tell him, they said, well, I'm, I'm looking for another guy then for the next king. Because Saul got on the bad side of God. He started doing things that uh, didn't, God didn't appreciate. So he said, we've got to have another king. So, so Samuel says, all right, I'll start looking. So he started looking at all the tall, good-looking guys he could find, lined them up all over Israel. I want, I want, it has to be tall, tall, dark, and handsome, as you ladies know. That, that's what I'm looking for. God says, no. 
I'm looking at the inside. And I think most of us find that uh, we watch TV and all. We can can see an attractive person, man or woman. We can see that. But it's on the inside that counts. And that's where we come with David. Not that David. David wasn't no... uh, slouch the way I understand he was he was a good looking he was a warrior he this was a big strong good looking guy but he's a teenager when this happens he goes to the house of Jesse David has seven brothers there's eight boys in this family he lines them all up and he's going to have to pick one to be the next next king God had told him go pick one out of this family that's going to be the next king well he brings out the oldest Right on down the line. They're all big, stout, good-looking kids. David's a teenager. So, you know, the oldest ones are probably in 30s or something. And Boy, they get they have to go through them all. And the uh, Lord said, none of these. This is not it. And he said, well, maybe I come to the wrong house. Maybe this isn't the house of Jesse. Maybe I come to the wrong spot. This isn't it. They said, if you got any more sons, Jesse? He said, yeah, I got, I got my youngest. He's out watching the sheep. Out there in the pasture watching the sheep, he's doing his job. But uh, he said, surely that's not the one you meant. We said, bring him in. Let's take a look. Bingo. David, that's the one God chose. Youngest boy, teenager. We see him all the time, them kind of kids. He's all right. He's anointed by God. Not by Saul, who is still the king. Not by Israel, just by God. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. I'm in chapter 16, verse 14. And, he, and Saul says, let us find a good musician to play the harp for you. He was sad and they needed a musician, just like we hear there. Good music kind of gets you all revved up, feels good, right? And that's what worship music's all about. Well, that's the, the first king, Saul. He was down in the dumps. The spirit of the Lord had left him. He needs some music. One of these guys said, you know, there's a, there's a shepherd boy out in, the, out in the hills that plays a harp and sings. He, they said, pretty talented. Let's bring him in. So he did. So they bring in this kid. That's David. They bring him in. That's when Saul got, met him. He don't know anything about the anointing. But he brings him in. And he plays hard, it, harp and it works. And he keeps him around. He likes that and he keeps him around just to play music, just like we would them two guys. You'd like to have him around all the time, just kind of uplift you. I mean, it's just a good thing. In the meantime, Israel is having a war against the Philistines. Most of y'all know this. If you ever went to Sunday school or you've ever heard any of these, David and Goliath, that's where we're at now. Goliath is a Philistine. He's a giant. He's nine foot six inches tall. That's big. The goal, the basketball goal is 10 foot. This guy's 9'6", weighs, they're guessing like 650. This is a big man. We, we see these 7 foot centers that play NBA and things, and we think, boy, that's a big guy. They, they won't start, to, they'd be a guard for these teams. I mean, this, this guy is big. 9'6". Let me tell you what well, now, like I said, he wore uh, he, uh, something around 650. He wore a bronze helmet. He had a, his coat of armor weighed 125 pounds. He had bronze leggings. He had a bronze javelin over his back, and the shaft of the spear was like a weaver's beam. 
the point on the spear weighed 15 pounds. So it kind of gives you an idea. And, y'all, and like I said, y'all have heard the story. And, they, and back in them days, they didn't, they didn't, the battle, uh, they didn't just have the Israels against the Philistines. They come up with a plan. They said, well, we're going to have two guys fight. And whoever wins, the other one will be the slave to those that, that win. And both sides were in agreement. That way, nope, everybody didn't get killed. You're going to end up being a slave if you lose, but you're not going to get killed. And here's Goliath standing out there in this valley. This valley is only like 100 yards apart. It isn't like we're, we, some of our valleys around here. I mean, this is a, a valley. You can see the armies on both sides. He comes out 40 days in a row, Goliath does, 40 days in a row, two times a day, taunting the, the Israelites, just making fun of them, their God, and everything about it. No one would come fighting. Can't blame most of us, you know. We're six foot, and we think we're, you know, pretty average. We're trying nine-footer on? Probably not. I watch Gunsmoke a lot, and I never see Matt Dillon get beat. He was a pretty good guy. He's about six six, I think. But anyway, um, Jesse, back to Jesse, the father of them eight boys, he had three of the oldest boys that were in the army, in Israel's army. And he calls his son in, his youngest, David, and he says, why don't you take some food to them boys? They've been out there on the lines quite a while, and we'll take some, uh, take some milk to them. Some, I got some uh, fresh meat here. Let's take some of that to them. He said, all right. And he said, and then have them send me back a letter and tell me how the war's going. So David gets his stuff for his dad, and he heads out to them three oldest boys that are in the army. And uh, they're not fighting, but the first thing he sees is Goliath out there in this valley. Making, a, making fun of their God and, and, boy, really taunting him. And he comes up to the first soldier he sees. He says, why are you all allowing that to happen? He said, because you can see the size of him. There's nobody going to try him. And so he went to his oldest brother, said the same thing. How come nobody's doing something about this? And his brother said, uh, you just come here to, to make fun of us all. He said, you didn't do it. Uh, you didn't have any intention on doing anything else besides just making fun of us. Anyway, to make a long story short, he said, yeah, I do. And Saul heard about this, and he calls that boy in to him. And he said, are you really wanting to fight that, that giant? He said, yeah, he's taking my Lord's name in vain. That's something that all of us could do. You hear somebody just standing around cussing, using the Lord's name in vain, and we just put up with it? David didn't. Maybe we shouldn't either. You might not want to make a big deal out of it, but you might want to. So that's my father in heaven you're talking about. If they was talking about your father right here, your dad was sitting right here, you probably wouldn't put up with it. But it's talking about your father in heaven. We're going to live with him forever, for eternity. Anyway, they're making fun of David's father in heaven. And he said he wasn't going to put up with it. Saul said, well, here, take my armor. And you head out there and do the best you can. So you're just a boy, and this guy's been in the army since he was a boy. And uh, he said, but he doesn't have the God, the father of this country, on his side. And, and Saul said, well, take my armor and get it on. He put his armor on, it swallowed him. Like I said, Saul was a big, stout guy himself. It just swallowed him. He said, I can't wear this. So he goes out and he grabs five smooth stones out of the first stream he finds. 
Wonder how long it took God to make them five smooth stones, that water rushing over. I mean, he had this plan for thousands of years. Five smooth stones, put them in his bag, headed out. And he told Saul before he left, he said, I've killed lions and I've killed bears with a club. He said, because of God. They come out and try to take my sheep and I'd fight them off. Saul said, well, get after it. Do the best you can. He goes out there, and the first thing you see is Goliath bows up, sees this boy coming at him with a stick, with a sling, with nothing. And he said, is that the best you Jews can do, is send a boy to me for a fight? And, boy, he comes out there, and he's got an armor bearer in front of him that's carrying his shield. I don't know how big that shield is, but y'all can imagine it's big. It's a big guy. And here's a teenage boy coming out and just coming running at him. And he said, you're taking the, my father's name in vain? And he said, well, what are you going to do about it? So he picks up one of them stones that God had been smoothing all them years, put that in that sling, hits the one spot that he didn't have protection, embedded it in his forehead, kills him right there. He goes over, gets the, he didn't have, even have a sword. So he takes the last sword out. I imagine that's pretty heavy too. Brings that sword out, cuts his head off right there, Goliath, and holds that head up. The rest of them Philistines, I mean, they are hooking it. They t- took off over the hill, and the Jews right behind them. Boy, I mean, they are, they are chasing them. Boy, they, you know, got their courage up now. Anyway, this is the start of King David. So if any of y'all need a hero to follow in the Bible, King David's a pretty good one to follow. But he had lots of faults. Now we're going to get into a few of his faults. Uh, just like all of us. In fact, probably worse than some of us. You say, man, this, this guy was the real deal. You know what God calls him? A man after my own heart. That's all. When you look up David in the Bible, they'll always say, a man after God's own heart. So if, if God felt that strong about this boy, now let's get to a, just a little bit later, I'm still in Samuel, but just a little bit later, they're going to bring the Ark of the Covenant home. This is, this is where God lived in the Ark of the Covenant. They're going to, David's going to bring it home. He's bringing it home, and I'll skip some of this. One, a guy died because, first of all, the Ark tried to fall off these po- uh, oxen out of the back of this wagon. He's, he put his hand on it. God had already said, don't touch it. No, anybody touch it. He put his hand on it just to keep it from falling. God kills him just like that. Anyway, that's another story. But that's how important this Ark of the Covenant was. And they're coming home, and David is bringing in the Ark of the Covenant back, back to Israel, and he is dancing. He had taken off his, his robes, and he is dancing, is so happy. Well, part of the deal for, for whipping Goliath was Saul gave him his daughter. Her name is Michael. Michael was uh, Saul's daughter, and that was part of the deal, and they also didn't have to pay any taxes. None of David's family. So Jesse, all the boys don't have to pay any tax, plus he gets a girl out of the deal. That's his first wife. And she sees him dancing, and it really upsets her. He said, all, she says, all the maidens in the, in the area saw you out there dancing without your robes on, and it really embarrassed me. And he was dancing for God. And I was thinking this other day. It's been raining, as you all know, for a, for a while. And uh, I, it, 
for you guys that don't know me, I'm, I'm in the cutting horse business, and I also team rope. But anyway, I'm in the barn heading. It's raining, so I'm just roping my dummy, just heading. And I, I keep the radio on a Christian music station out of Garden City all the time. Some of y'all know it. Uh, anyway, they're playing this song that I really like. Boy, and I, I'm finding myself just dancing the same thing. I'm in there dancing around, roping the dummy, just kind of singing with nobody around, just me and a dog. And, uh, but that's, that's what David was doing. I'm not comparing myself to David, but I mean, I'm singing, I'm praising the Lord, and I'm so happy to be here, and uh, that's the same thing David was doing, but it made her mad. Fast forward now to 2 Samuel, and uh, this is David and Bathsheba, and we're going to get in some bad things that David did right now. David... was about 40 years old at this time. He had sent his army off to war. They're fighting all the time over there, just like they do now. It's no different. You look at the Middle East, they're always in a fight. You see what's going on in the news right now. We had Turkey and Saudi Arabia. They killed this guy. Everyone wants Israel. You know what's going on with Iran and Iraq. But anyway, it's the same, same thing. David had sent his army off, and he stayed home. This was in the spring. That's when all the battles were in the spring. They sent them out. They didn't ever do it in the middle of winter for some reason. But it's out in the spring, and David's up on top of the palace in Jerusalem. He's just going. He's walking around the top of the palace in the spring, late in the evening. He, they said he just got up from a nap, and he, so he's walking around. King David looks over there. Here's a lady taking a bath over in the next building. Her name's Bathsheba. Good-looking gal taking a bath. And so he calls his, calls his guy in and says, uh, who is that over there? And they said, that's Bathsheba. That is the wife of Uriah that's in your army. And uh, he said, well, send for her. I want to talk to her. Sent for her. He sleeps with her. Knowing she's married to one of his, his generals in the, in the army, sleeps with her. She goes back home. A little bit later, she finds out she's pregnant. Uriah's still away in the army, just like now. He's still over in Afghanistan fighting. He's still busy. He's not home. So, man, now he's in a bind. David's in a bind. He said, what am I going to do? So he comes up with a plan. He's going to send for Uriah. So he sends one of his messengers. He said, "Go go to the head general. And have him send me back Uriah. I want to talk to him. See how the war is going. So he sent Uriah back. And he found out how the war was going. He said, boy, you've been doing such a good job. He said, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to let you just stay here for a few days. Hoping that he'd go home and sleep with his wife. Then she'd have this baby. And it would, be, it would appear to everybody that it was Uriah's and not his. So you know what Uriah did? He stayed on the doorstep that night of King David. He said, I'm not going to go home and drink wine and have big feasts and sleep with my wife while all my buddies are out there and fighting, living in tents, eating beans. He said, I'm not going to do that. I said, man, this, there goes that plan. So he said, comes up with another plan. This is the same guy, I remind you, that is after the God's own heart. My point is, not not everybody's perfect in this, but every one of them are just like us. 
We've all messed up. So King David, he comes back the, the next day and said, send for Uriah again. And he's, he's going to get him drunk the next night. We're going to wine and dine him here in the palace. So he brings Uriah in, he's go, and he gets him drunk. He said, now he'll go home, sleep with his wife, and we'll get this handled. Wrong. Uriah sleeps in the doorstep again of King David. He won't go home. So he's really in a bind now. So King David writes a letter, and he tells Uriah, he said, take this letter back to your general, to the head guy at the army, and give this to him. You know what the letter said? It told the head general to put Uriah on the front line, and then everybody retreat. In other words, they want, he's wanting to kill Uriah. He's wanting, he's wanting to cover up this sin so bad he'll kill now for it. So he, he does. And you're right. Carrying, carrying your own letter of execution. Can you imagine that? Never knew. Took the letter to general. Being a faithful servant. Doing, a, doing what he's supposed to do. He gives it to the general. They go to the front line. Everybody falls back. He dies. And they send a letter to him. That he sends a letter back to David. That Uriah had, had got killed. So now not only has he committed adultery. He's in on murder. Now, this is a guy after, after God's own heart. And you're thinking, I have people all the time come to me and say, Bob, man, you don't know what I've done. I, I go to a lot of rodeos and horse shows and different things. A lot of rough guys. A lot of guys that have done a lot of things, they, and women, but a lot of guys that have done a lot of things they're not too proud of. And uh, they say, Bob, you don't know what I've done. And I'll tell some of them this very story. You don't know what King David did. This is a man after God's own heart. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect right here in this room. We've all sinned. As it says in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. Not some. Nathan. Now we're back to the prophet. Nathan comes back to King David and says, I want to tell you this story. And let me read this for you. The Nathan the prophet was sent by God to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but a little lamb. He had worked hard to buy it. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it like, uh, like it was his baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing a lamb from his own flock, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and served it to his guest. When Nathan told David this, he was furious. He said, that cannot be. You, there's no one that bad can do this. He said, that man must replay, repay four lambs for having done this. Nathan says, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you this house, his wives, the kingdom, Israel of Judah. I've given you all this. You have murdered. You've committed adultery with Uriah's wife. And now you're a hypocrite. 
you're telling what we should do to this man that gave that lamb away. Because of what you have done, I will give your wives to another man. He will go to bed with them in public view, and your son will die. Bathsheba's baby will die. And he waited seven days, and that baby died. Bathsheba's baby and David. But here is the part that all of you who have ever had a miscarriage, any of you ladies had a miscarriage or an abortion you wish you hadn't of now or you've lost a child, grandkid, I'm in 2 Samuel 12 and verse 23. I will go to him one day. This is David speaking. I will go to him, the baby we're talking about. He cannot return to me. So any of y'all that have ever lost a kid, that baby is waiting for you in heaven. says so right there in God's word. We lost one. Jan and I lost one. About 40 years ago, we had a miscarriage. And uh, I, I, I still think of it often. Uh, I've got two, two good, healthy kids. But anyway, we lost this one, and I feel I have a daughter waiting for me in heaven right now. I don't know why I think it's a daughter over a boy, but I, I feel that. And uh, it says right here, I will go to him one day. I will go to her one day. She cannot come to me, but I will go to her. So all y'all that have ever lost something pretty important like that, they're waiting for you in heaven. So what do you got to do? I got to get to heaven. So God gives us two choices, Right? We're going to either go to hell or going to heaven. Boy, that's a good reason to want to go to heaven to me. So all we got to figure out is how to get there, right? Believe in your heart. Be after God's own heart. If you believe this in your heart, as it says in Romans, you believe in your heart and say it with your mouth, you will be saved. He did all the work on that cross. Can you imagine the death, the beating that he took before he went to that cross and then driving nails through your hand and dying there of suffocation. Naked, by the way, this, which I'm sure that wasn't any big deal at that time to him, but you're, he died for us. If I would die that same death for one of you guys, you'd say, boy, I owe Bob a lot. Man, that's, it. that's what we do for Jesus Christ. That's what he did for us. And what's he ask out of us? Believe, have faith in him, and obey. That's why I'm talking about, always talking about carrying your Bible. Get that Bible out. Find out what he likes. Obey. I bet every one of you guys in here that are saved, and I hope everyone in here is, if you're not, please come down here and talk to me or any of these other strong Christian men around. Talk to them. Find out what you need to do. It's as simple as getting on your knees and, and following Jesus Christ. He did all the work. Boy, it is. he made it so simple. By the way, David lost three more boys. You know, we're back to the lambs. That guy will pay fourfold. He lost three other sons later. But he went back to Bathsheba, and they had a son. His name was Solomon. And that's the next king that followed David, if you'll read in your Bible. And Solomon was one of, our, one, was one of the best kings we had for a while. For a while. And then he started following his wives' idols. And he 
made some excuses. My point is, everyone in this room has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person, not one. Them kids that were here a while ago, we're born into sin. It's not that we sin, we're born into it. That's because of Adam and Eve. When they took the bite of that fruit, that forbidden fruit, after God told them not to, that's what brought sin into the world. And it never left till Jesus Christ came back and took away the sin of the world. And all we have to do is believe. Boy, that's a pretty simple deal. You don't have to go before a priest. You don't have to go, you know how, like the Catholics believe, you have to go to the priest to get your sins forgiven. We don't have to do that. We go directly. Remember when he was crucified, when Jesus was crucified on the cross? How was, how was the curtain torn? From top to bottom. That's a big deal. From top to bottom. This, this curtain was like six or eight inches, maybe a foot thick. This isn't no little old curtain like something here you can tear with your hands. This is a big deal. And it was torn from top to bottom. That's from God to us. We go directly to God. You don't have to come to, to me. I have a lot of guys come to me and say, Bob, would you pray for me? Boy, I'm having trouble with my wife. Or I'm having trouble with drugs right now. I can't quit drinking. Things. I'm sure I'll pray for you. But, I mean, you can do this too. It's, you don't have to, I don't have a special shot to God. No more than you guys do. I mean, I'm on a first-name basis with him. But you can too. Boy, it, it is so easy. Be a believer. There's a lot of us farther along in our walk, perhaps. We had this talk a while ago with a lady. Some people, uh, there's a lady here that was talking, and, and uh, she's got a mission, I know, and she's going to help some young uh, ladies that maybe had some divorces, some things go wrong in their marriages, and she's the perfect one to do it. Well, I'm not the one for that. She is. I can tell you a lot of my experiences and things I can help someone. I'm called to do this. I'm not called to get down there and play a guitar and sing. Or I'm not called to go trade cattle like Mar- or be a welder like Danny. Everyone's called to a different, different place. All we have to do is obey. You guys are going to see folks today, tomorrow. You may see them at lunch that I'll never see. I don't know their name. I don't know anything. But you can tell them about Jesus Christ. Tell them this little story I just told you about David. Here's a guy, I mean, he did some bad stuff. You said, man, I never did that. I never killed anybody. I, you know, I hadn't slept with my, one of my friend's wives. I hadn't done anything that bad. Tell them a little lies, that's sin. If you stole a pencil, if, it's all sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But, boy, we have a big God. Just like we started this off with this morning with prayer for all these folks that are, that are struggling, golly, we got a big God. And he will answer prayer. He'll answer it three ways. He'll say yes, he'll say no, or he'll say maybe later. We're all in this world right now, especially here in the United States, we are so anxious to hear right now. We want things happening. We want them phones ringing. We, I want to talk to somebody. As soon as I'm out of here, i gotta, I got to talk. We want things happening. I mean, right now, everybody. God doesn't work that way. His time schedule is. Time means nothing to him. You never see in the Bible where you saw God, he, he was hitting a trot, going somewhere. Never. It was always an easy stroll. Even when his friend Lazarus died and Mary and Martha were there. You think he hit a trot over there and said, man, i got to get over and, and get him back to life. 
Hey, waited another day. Strolled over. We're too impatient. Take time. Take time to think about God, to worship Him. Take time to read a little bit. I'll give some of you guys that aren't into to do a Bible much, I'll give you a little reading plan that is so simple. Proverbs. Right in the middle of the Bible, you got Psalms and then you got Proverbs. Right in the middle. If you would go to Proverbs, there's 31 of them. Most months have 30 or 31 days. Read one of them every day. What is today? The 14th? Read Proverbs 14. Just start there. Simple deal. You can do it in three minutes. That's a good way to get started reading your Bible. And if I, I've said before, in this, in this New Testament age we're in now, and I know I was preaching out of the Old Testament, but if you really want to find out what is supposed to happen to us, the Gentiles, if you'll start reading in Romans and go through Philemon, that's that much right there. That's all. That's for us, the Gentiles. The rest of this book was written by Jews, and it was, it is, it was uh, mostly for Jews, with us including. But I'll, I'll preach on this at another time, but we are incorporated in with the Jews now. It says we're grafted in. We get the same, we get the same benefits, the same privileges as the Jews. I know this was about, like I was talking about King David and all. I said, well, that was a long time ago, and that was, that was Jewish. We're just like it now. That's grace. We have a big God. If he can give us grace and mercy, all we have to do is accept it. Amen? Amen. And Father in heaven, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the... Just being able to come here and worship openly. We know there's folks around the world that don't get to do this. And uh, we don't take it lightly, Father. My goodness, we are so blessed. And thank you for hearing our prayers as we started off with people that are struggling. From little, little kids that are forward to older folks that are on, at their end. They all need your help, Father. And uh, you know exactly what they need and who they are, Father. And if you choose to say no, not right now. We're good with that too. Give us the heart like King David after your own heart, Father. We know we mess up. We're trying to do better. None of us are perfect. But, Father, we love you. We honor you. We want to obey you. Open our eyes. Open our ears. And let us be true followers of you. And we pray all this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.